jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Oh, oh Stacy! We're here! <laughs> what the hell? Is just because the computer needed restarting? I don't know. Listeners, we've been trying to record... We thought we were recording and we had such an incredible upfront business, like like an upfront business you've never heard in your life. It was spectacular. Something was wrong and it wasn't recording. Can you believe it? We've been struggling to get here, so I hope, uh, well, now it has to be worth it, I guess, after all this effort. It has to be worth it. Literally, we were talking about like how cool White Gladys is, the orca that's sinking all the ships. Yeah, we talked about Day of the Dead, how fucking cool that is. The movie. Like, we were, like, getting our fucking life, and then all of a sudden Stacy gasps, and we realize it wasn't recording to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not because I didn't push record. It was a computer error. You pushed record. I saw it. You pushed it, like, a hundred times. Yeah. And it wouldn't actually start recording, but now the gasp you heard was a gasp of, of wonderment and relief because it actually is, in fact, we're finally recording. But now I'm afraid. Now I'm trepidatious. I've got the shivers. I've got goose flesh. Yeah, my chills are multiplying. <laughs> oh! As they say in Greece. Yeah, tell me more, Danny Zuko. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Here we are. Back! Back uh, again. For the last time before we get raptured. Will we be back? Probably. Stacey, you're gonna make them all paranoid again. Listen, we're just anticipating that, excuse me, as of the time we are recording this, one week from tomorrow, what? by the time y'all are listening to this, it's only going to be a couple of days before we see Mama Moo in concert and ascend to a higher plane of existence or non-existence or existence and non-existence at the same time. I don't know. It's going to be a metaphysical experience is all I'm saying. It's like in the Bible when Isaiah gets sucked up into the sky, into the beam of light or whatever. And then you read it and you're like, wait, did he just get abducted in the Bible? But everyone's like, no, he went to heaven. He ascended. We're like that. So, but as we are still here now in the earthly plane, in the uh, still shuffling around the mortal coil. Yeah, bound by our silver astral cords that keep us to our bodies. Oh, wow. What, uh, didn't you read to, to stir a magic cauldron? What was that book? <laughs> to fly a crystal broomstick? To, um, you know, Silver Raven Wolf? One of those Wiccan hacks? No. <laughs> Silver Raven Wolf, bitch. That was her name. Silver Raven Wolf. To stir a magic cauldron. To light a sacred flame. What was the, the first book, though? I think it, maybe that was Magic Cauldron. And you know, she spells it with a K. Oh. Does she spell magic with a K? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic. Yeah. 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 Magic. Yeah. 
And and then and then you meet her in real life, and she's just like, "Oh, I have dietary restrictions," you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. What she said? <laughs> uh, None of that for you. You're not in with the SRW. <laughs> no, I tell you what, I am in with though is a uh, countdown to Rapture Month. Oh. Which here we are. We are at the zero mark. Basically, this is it. This is the, yeah, Rapture is Ignition. But we have one more episode to get through. Get through, I say, like it's a chore. Excuse me. Is it a chore to talk about uh, Messiah of Evil? Oh! At last? I You know, if you've been listening to this show, uh, perhaps you've heard us mention this movie a hundred thousand times. Time and again. Time and again, I've been banging the drum for Messiah of Evil for years of my life. You have. This is, I have a long life stalking you. <laughs> I, I stalked you for a lot longer than before we actually became friends and I got to do this with you. But on Final Girl, and I told you this, but on Final Girl, you would post about Messiah of Evil. And I would read this. I mean, we're talking probably decades ago at this point it was the 80s <laughs> it was the 1980s i i booted up my ibm <laughs> and i would read final girl i printed all, all out on dot matrix and then i would read it because <laughs> the screen hurt my eyes um but you say messiah of evil messiah of evil messiah of evil look at this screenshot messiah of evil and i'm like i gotta get this and I could not find this movie for t- like 10 years. And then when I finally found it, it was like, a, it was like my final girl pilgrimage. Oh, and wow. it was everything I had ever dreamed of. Like the lady did not lie. Could you imagine if you finally saw it and you were like, Just a piece of shit. <laughs> would we have gay Lords of darkness? What if you were like everything she ever said was a lie? No, I would have, you... I would have, she, this is, this is straight out of last Christmas. Just yeah. full grifter. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't have this in my life, but look, this is a long time coming Messiah of evil. We, this was even, I, I mean, the listeners might remember the gay, the people's gays where they all said what movie they wanted us to talk about on the show. And well, they all said Megan. And then we said, no, but after that, they said Messiah of evil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some people said Messiah of evil. I, I, I know people, I've got friends who checked out Messiah of evil. Because I won't fucking shut up about it. Yeah. And nine times out, 9.999 times out of 10, it works out. Because Messiah of Evil fucking rules. So, uh, Messiah of Evil, look, for a long time, like Anthony said, it was hard to find. It was available for a number of years on, like, remember when 50 packs were, like, the big thing? In oh, the yeah. naughty oddies? Oh, yeah. Mill Creek would put out, like, 50 <gasps> chilling classics. Mill Creek. I love a 50-pack. Here's the thing. There are some gems on the 50-pack, some stuff you've never seen. Yeah. But then there's some classics on the 50-pack, but it'll be the worst possible print. It'll be the shittiest transfer. Yeah. I saw Kathy's Curse for the first time thanks to a, a Milk Creek 50-pack. <laughs> a classic. A classic. Messiah of Evil uh, would show up on those 50-packs from time to time. Just at the convention I was at this last weekend at Crypt- Seattle Crypticon, 
uh somebody said i was rambling about messiah evil and how much i love it because jason has a painting based on of it and somebody came up to the table and said i love this movie i saw that movie from one of those weird 50 packs i randomly bought hey yeah uh so messiah of evil now it's had a dvd release it's had a blu-ray release there is a forthcoming special edition restored fancy fucking blu-ray and i am salivating i have to I know I'm getting raptured in like a week, but I do hope that I have a Blu-ray player in heaven because I am anticipating this special edition of Messiah of Evil like nobody's business. They say you can't take it with you, but I think God will recognize um, because he often recognizes when things need fixing and fixes it. You know, I don't know if you noticed that. Um, but he'll recognize that this movie deserves the for heavenly Stacy to have that Blu-ray player. He will? Will he? Oh, okay. He will. Yes, because God is a man, Stacy. <laughs> okay. Oh, you heard it here first, but I knew you were a fraud. <laughs> you virtue signaling motherfucker. <laughs> <sighs> no, but I will say on my deathbed, or when I get to the pearly gates, I will say, Oh, that rapture is so nice. Thank you, Mama Moo. And then I will say, can I just bring in this one thing? Well, two things. Can I bring in my brand new Messiah of Evil Blu-ray and a Blu-ray player, please? Yes. It's so perfect. I got so excited for that Blu-ray release, the new, the new, new, that I accidentally bought it twice. Perfect movie. It's a perfect fucking movie. And it is available on a lot of streaming places now. Um, like on Amazon and blah blah blah. It used to be on there was a great transfer on YouTube a while back. So I say watch it wherever you can. However, if when it starts, if the picture is cruddy, don't watch it. Like wait until you can get your eyeballs on a good transfer because this movie is fucking gorgeous and it deserves to be seen. Uh, in a way that allows you to really appreciate that. This movie is so beautiful. The colors. Oh my gosh! I the movie started off. It been a, it been like you know maybe a year, two years. When did Elvira do her special? Was that last Halloween? Wow. Well, she chose this as one of her one of her for her her you know fortieth anniversary spooky scary spectacular spectacular special special. She showed this. I think this was the first pick, and I think that was the last time I watched it. Um, but I don't know. Something happened where I see all. I started out and it's gorgeous. The colors, the lighting, and I said to myself, "Wow, is this a giallo?" <laughs> It rivals, like, people jerk off over Argento's prime era, you know, with good reason, uh, all the time. Let me tell you, Messiah of Evil is the $1.50 budget grindhouse circuit answer. Like, this movie is stunning. Here's the thing. 100%. And I say the giallo thing because we famously make fun of people that think colored lights mean giallo. But I also say that because this movie is 1973, and I'm sorry, but this movie did everything visually that Suspiria did four years later. Like, the same color palettes, the same usage of wacky geometric patterns, of murals, of art. My brain melted when I was like, they out Suspiria and Suspiria four years earlier and nobody knew. No, this movie... 
boy, I think I watched it last October, maybe. I don't know. Whenever I did the Shocktober on Final Girl, the most recent one where I asked people for top 20s, because this motherfucker is in my top 20. Yeah, it is. So I watched it for that. Watching it last night to prepare for the show again. I'm just like, God, like just two minutes into this movie and i'm like god damn i love sigh of evil and i just was i'm i can't wait for the new fancy edition where i'm gonna see it look better than ever oh it will be like it'll be like 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 yeah there's the code red blu-ray which i thought i didn't have but apparently i do have because that's what i watched it on (laughs) um but this new one is like a 4k fancy pants transfer transfer fancy original print negative thing you know all the scientific terms uh and it's gonna be like when we saw superstition on the blu-ray for the first time and i was like there was a person there in that shot yeah it had a troubled production history um there was a premature shutdown because of financial mismanagement so there was a different ending to this movie intended um it was scripted but it ended up going unfilmed and then the whole thing switched production companies uh, and they edited together something from what footage they had. That always works out. It, I think in this case it actually did. It does. This is the exception that proves the rule. That like this movie is very dreamlike. It raises a lot of questions and doesn't answer them. But I think as a whole it works it doesn't feel like it was just cobbled together from scraps and like maybe you'll say like okay i have questions but they're questions for you to think about they're not questions that are going to detract from the viewing experience yeah yeah it's if this movie explained what was happening i it would not have the same allure that it has the mystery like you said the dreamlike quality the mystery the and 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 because of how much that along with the visuals along with the 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 instances of what happens in the movie the all work together to create this like very uncanny eerie kind of horror that is very much mood driven this is very much a vibe movie this movie is all vibes uh I think very in line with Carnival of Souls, actually, but even more like artistic and ethereal and weird. <laughs> and it is so good. It's so good. It really is. I mean, uncanny, I think, is the word for it. It is. I, I don't know that I've seen any other movie that really embodies that concept so much. It truly is the uncanny. Like, it absolutely. Um, And they point you to that in the the it's technically the second scene but it's the scene that leads into the title where our lead character we don't know it's our lead character yet but a woman is giving a voiceover monologue and it's just it fucking sends me like mariana hill the actress Ugh. nails it and it just sets the mood it's just incredible. Like, you, I just, I, oh gosh, I love Messiah of Evil. But like she <laughs> says that uh, <laughs> this town, they changed the name to Point Dune after the moon turned blood red. Point Dune doesn't look any different than a thousand other neon stucco towns. And that's the thing. That's what this movie nails is the whole thing feels like Americana. There's the grocery store, there's the movie theater, there's the small downtown, there's the nice beach houses, there's all of this, but it's all wrong. Yeah. 
it's all wrong and you don't notice it right away but there's little things that are just wrong it's too quiet yeah everything is open but it feels closed there's nobody around and it all makes sense and it builds and builds and builds until you learn kind of what's happening and there's some kind of phenomenon going on in this small town but it just creates this sense of like everything looks normal but i know it's not yeah yeah it's claustrophobic but there's big open spaces there's yeah, the movie theater, there's there's a there's a ticket taker working there. You shouldn't be afraid to go in the movie theater if there's a ticket taker working there. There's there there's people the whole place feels empty, but you can see other cars driving around. Yeah, it's not a ghost town. It's not like when you go to Children of the Corn and you go to Gatlin, Nebraska and it's like, well, there's corn husks everywhere and everything's covered in dust and the calendar is from 5 years ago and yeah. it's not like that where you say something is wrong here. It's it's a feeling. It's like just when everything is off. Yeah. Do you do you get any do you get any like pre proto sort of Silent Hill vibes from this? Because hmm. I kind of did watch it at this time. I don't know. Maybe sort of like the setup of her getting a letter, going to this weird town. It's old timey, but there's nobody around, but there are weird things happening. I was like, oh, it's kind of some Silent Hill vibes. It's coastal. I was like, ooh. Yeah, I could see that in the same kind of vein. But yeah, it's that kind of, that, that vein. It's, it's, it's that kind of just, it's a place. It's a real place. There, It is, in fact, real. There are people, but something awful is happening. <laughs> and it's wicked. It is! Oh, cool. <laughs> and it's so well shot and it's oh so my God. eerie this movie is a fucking work of art and it's like yes. more of a work of art than it has any right to be like when it was bought by the second production company i mean they dumped it on the grindhouse circuit and it had a million different titles that all were trying to put it in the vein of george romero so it was called Return of the Living Dead at one point. Oh, it was wow. released as Revenge of the Screaming Dead, Night of the Damned, Dead People. Like they just took their George Romero magnetic poetry set <laughs> and made different titles that would make people think it was going to be that kind of movie. And it's just, I mean, I think it, it was a bomb, like it was a stinker, you yep. know what I mean? But it's really accrued a cult following over the years. Yeah, that it absolutely deserves, <laughs> and I think more and more people are seeing it now. And you know, with it being released a few times, and it's getting some of the love and accolades that it really deserves. What a disservice, though, if this movie had been called "Revenge of the Screaming Dead." Yeah, yeah. what yeah. a disservice. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of why I love this movie is I don't even so you know me I love my Dewey Decimal System. And I love, I love going to my movies. I love categorizing them. I love putting them, you know, uh, I don't do alphabetical. I do by year and genre because uh, I like seeing the evolution of a genre. And I had no idea where to put this movie when it was time to, because I'm like, what is this? What, what are the, what is happening to the people? Like, because there are, I don't know why I'm talking around it. There's no mystery. There's also no really spoilers, but like there's the ghouls, I would say. Yeah, I think they're ghouls. They're not zombies. No. They're not vampires. They're kind of vampires. They're not revenants. But, like, 
It's just, they're just weird fucking townies that start bleeding out their eyes sometimes, and then maybe they eat you. Yeah, they don't, there's, it's, this movie is, it's a Lovecraft movie, really. It is, you're right. You know, there's something, there was a dark stranger who was a kind of a preacher uh, and showed up a hundred years ago in Point Dune and he walked into the sea and now a hundred years later they're waiting for his return and the moon is turning blood red and people are, they're not dying, but there's some kind of a sickness going around. Like you said, they bleed from their eyes they get a taste for any kind of meat at all. They'll eat a live animal. They'll eat meat at the supermarket. They'll eat people, whatever. They become desensitized to pain. They're beach bums. They love bonfires. <laughs> they just go and stare at the sky, stare at the sea, and wait for the return of the dark stranger. Um, and so it's like, it's a cult movie. It's a little Lovecraft. It's a little, it's all of these things that make it its own thing. Yeah, is is it really happening? Is it in somebody's head? Our character, I mean, it, it opens with our main character in a in an insane asylum. And it closes like that, too. With her... God, her delivery is so good. Her delivery, like, her honestly, delivery. like... I her delivery, especially in the opening monologue, it works for me. It is so fucking perfect. But when she's like, they're waiting at the edge of the city. They're peering around buildings (laughs) at night. And they're waiting. They're waiting for you. And if you can get through, no one will hear you scream. And then blah to the Messiah of Evil title card. Like. It's a fucking moment, man. It's all about that. No one will hear you scream! It's <laughs> so good. They've made a perfect thing. It's analogous to Let's Scare Jessica to Death. You know, like it's that same kind of, here we have our heroine who is now isolated in some capacity and she's looking back on what happened. Is she cuckoo crazy only? Or did all of this really happen? And yes. here- messiah of evil this character is now in an insane asylum because they according to her because they the cult like let her go so that she could tell everybody that this is happening because they're taking over point dune is done and they're gonna like spread out and they're coming for you and basically it is the second coming that everybody you know who's read a bible or whatever has anticipated has happened but it's not light it's just darkness has come back so cool and so she's in the position of like i'm telling people that all of this happened but nobody believes me and now i'm in an insane asylum that's where Mm -hmm. they stuck me it's just so wicked man oh messiah of evil you guys can you believe it all (laughs) all from the makers of howard the duck honestly which also i actually do really enjoy that movie But my God, I mean, this is writers written and directed by Gloria Katz and Willard Huck. Huck, 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 Huck. Just, how did they do this? They, I mean, I love, I mean, a husband and wife writer director team. They did a lot of work with George Lucas. Like they're, they're, according to lore, they are responsible for Princess Leia. 
They were script doctors on Star Wars. And the humor and the bite and all of this of her character especially is thanks to them. You know, I can actually see that thinking of Leah Thompson's character in Howard the Duck. (laughs) It's pretty much the same character. But American Graffiti they wrote. Right, they they worked on that. They were on the story for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like They were big in with George Lucas. And then they made this weird little movie that, you know, started out under a different title also. Like it was, you know, once it was called Blood Moon and all of this. And according to Mariana Hill, the star, like when she first signed on, it was going to be a psychological kind of thriller and like not without the ghouls and stuff. Hmm. So I don't know what that movie would have been like, but man, they... This movie just rules so Yeah, hard. I saw another thing where the, what's what's his name um, that plays Tom? Michael Greer. Yeah, where he, I saw another thing where he was saying he was cast in it and he was saying he was playing the son of the devil or the messiah of evil or something. Yeah, he was supposed to be, that was in the uh, scripted but unfilmed ending was that he was going to be revealed to be the Dark Stranger. Oh, a twist. Oh, a twist. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, but that never happened. I like the ending we got, though. But goddamn, this movie's so good. I know that that's like, I mean, how boring to listen to somebody say, this movie's good, but it is. And there's a reason why I've been, you know, telling everybody to watch it for years. So, And listen, Stacy has been doing this work. Elvira has been doing this work. <laughs> yeah. I've been screaming about it. Everyone need you need to stop what you're doing and see Messiah of Evil. We had multiple. We met some great, lovely uh, new friends at doing that horror convention, and they had not seen Messiah of Evil. And I would not shut up about it because it's how good of a movie it is. Especially if you like a mood, a vibe, that kind of thing. Um, there's long stretches with no dialogue, no sound. Mm-hmm. The kill sequences, whatever you want to call them, when a few people do get killed, are just some of the best stuff you're going to see in horror, as far as I'm concerned. Man. (sighs) Both set pieces, the one in the grocery store and the one in the movie theater, are just flat out amazing. Is there anything more iconic than either of those sequences? It's incredible stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why you know Jason's painting that he did of her in the movie theater with all of the fucking ghouls behind her, like straight out of the birds that moment. Um, but like, there's a reason that's one of his most successful pieces that everyone loves buying because it's just such an iconic image, and that moment is so terrifying and so unsettling. And it's there's long buildups like it really they, they the filmmakers allow these scenes to breathe yeah and they breathe quietly yeah so what is it all about our letty great she name. uh gets a letter from her father right he's a painter in point dune he used to go there sometimes to like have a little art retreat whatever but after her mother died he moved there permanently they've lost touch she goes to Point Dune to look for him. And before she even really gets into the town proper, things are weird. It's that whole, like, something is off here. Like, she stops at a gas station, and the attendant is shooting a gun out into the darkness. And you kind of hear dogs. And she's like, what? You know, it didn't sound like dogs to me. And he's like, it has to be dogs. Oh, my God. 
it's so good. You're like, what's going on? And so he kind of portrays the like Mr. Dudley character. You know, she's like, I'm going to Point Dune. And I can't understand why anybody would want to go to Point Dune. Hmm. So he's a little bit of the uh, the crazy Ralph. He's an uh, he's an uncrazy Ralph. Yes. It's just kind of like avoid the town. There's nothing going on in there. And then this really weird guy shows up. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> he's so cool. Two dollars. No knock. Oh he my wants God. his gas. What's the no knock mean? Uh it's to do with gasoline back in the day. You used to choose between leaded and unleaded gasoline there were like two different kinds of gasoline and leaded gasoline there was an additive put into gasoline that would make it no knock because engines used to knock they would make like a knocking sound because of the gas but all of these additives and the leaded gasoline and everything was really bad for the environment and so then it just became unleaded and now that's all you get is unleaded but that's a cool way to say unleaded yeah back then yeah i learned something today thank you uh, so it turns out that he has a couple of bodies stashed in the back of his pickup truck under a blanket. Gas station attendant sees it. And in a wicket, I just love the moment where like our lady is trying to pay for her gas. And the dude is like, don't worry about it. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know. I just love this whole setup. And so she takes off for town. The gas station attendant ends up dead. Our lady ends up at her father's uh, bungalow. His cool-ass art bungalow. It's like art tree house, manor den. Yeah. <laughs> Conversation pit, platform, sex bed. <laughs> like, what? I will say that it's kind of like one of the very... F- the, the production design is amazing. And it's this house feels like an artist's house. Yeah, it's it's among among some of our more avant-garde interiors in horror. With the paintings on the wall, there's people everywhere, but it just, to, it really, it it works. It's mm-hmm. weird and unsettling and all of this, but it, it totally works as what it's supposed to be versus if she had just shown up and there was an easel in the corner. Right. Right. This yeah. guy lives. <laughs> Do you think an artist lives here? Yeah. Like this guy lives in his art. Yep. Well, and I'm, I'm convinced too that Rob Zombie is referencing this location with Heidi's apartment and Lords of Salem as well. And her art everywhere and the walls and the it's, I'm convinced. I wouldn't be surprised. So her father is nowhere to be seen. No one in town is giving her any answers. Like this is, this is point dude. She goes to the, to the art dealer and the art dealer is blind. God, she's so cool. <laughs> and it's just one of those little touches. That's like, what does a blind art dealer do? You know, I love it. So, so she, uh, somebody else had been into the art gallery asking about her father and they uh, are at a local hotel. And so she goes to the hotel to ask them if they know anything about her father. And there she meets Tom, Tony, and Laura. Oh, my queens. The uh, ultimate early 70s thruple. Yep. Whatever you want to call them. Tom is cool and like in his suit and he's he's in town investigating legends. He loves a legend. <laughs> and Tony is really young and kind of like this. Oh, I don't know how to describe her. She's a she feels like a runaway. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's cool. And she says things like, sit on it, sister. <laughs> yeah. Then you have Laura, love of my life. Oh. Uh, she's just the coolest person in this movie by a long stretch. And so they are talking to Charlie, who's like the old, the town kind of drunk fella. And it's just another feather in this movie's cap that they cast Alicia Cook Jr. in this small role. Like such a storied character actor uh with a career like you wouldn't believe i mean he every film noir that you've heard of Hmm. he was in in, like the maltese falcon and like the big sleep oh my god these kind of movies yeah horror fans know him he was in salem's lot he was in rosemary's baby oh yeah um and he was in a movie that we did on this show uh don't bother to knock he was marilyn monroe's uncle the elevator operator oh my look at me paying attention suddenly (laughs) yeah oh my god you're right so he for like a bottle of wine he's willing to talk to these people and kind of tell them the story of point dune and he talks about you know 100 years ago the moon turned blood red and all of you know the the sort of the eerie history of this town uh before they send him shuffling off and i just i really love this character is only like one or two scenes and it's the kind of character that could be first of all it could be overacted you know what i mean it could be bless his heart it could be your crazy ralph mm-hmm. uh but in such small ways like bet- not only between the performance but the dialogue afforded to this character like really humanizes him for real this could so easily be like you said crazy ralph or like just throw away drunk but he's great. You love him. But he, you know, he wanders off. And then when Arletty leaves, he tells her, he he kind of stops her outside. And he's like, listen, you know, they leave me alone because I seem really harmless. And he's talking about the other townspeople. Like he's trying to, he's the, the doomsayer, the Cassandra figure, you mm-hmm. know, the crazy Ralph. Mm-hmm. And he tells her like, your father's dead, but you can't bury him. You got to burn him. You got to burn his body. And she's like, "Okay, bye. Uh, And then Tom, Tony and Laura, she, you know, Arletty goes home and takes a nap. And when she wakes up, Tom, Tony and Laura are in her fucking house, just making themselves at home. (laughs) And it's like, and and Arletty's like, "Okay, you can stay here. <laughs> it's like um, God bless the early seventies, right? They these characters feel like um, sort of for me thinking about the era with early seventies, right? It feels like they're kind of some late sixties throwbacks. Like it feels like these are some like some some people that maybe just like peace down of the free love movement, and now they're just trying to figure out where they're gonna do what they're gonna do next. In the meantime, they're just fucking. <laughs> they're, just, they're just fucking and doing dope. Yeah, they're just hanging out and having a good time, you know. Uh, but Tom seems to be very interested in Arletty. Uh, and so this causes a rift between him and Tony and Laura, who are jealous. And, are you know, Laura is kind of like, I see what Tom's all about. Like, basically, he's just a playboy and I'm wasting my time. So I'm out of here. I'm going to San Francisco. Uh, and unfortunately, Laura leaves. Hitchhikes gets picked up by that weird fellow in mm. the pickup truck, and things have gotten much, much weirder. 
Uh, he's got the back of his truck is full of people sitting and staring at the sky. Oh God! For whatever reason, and then the the truck driver is like, "We went to the beach, and I caught a lot of beach rats." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> What do you do with them? Do with them? I eat them. <laughs> and so he eats a rat. And she's like, okay, you drop me off here. Bye. And then she makes her way to a Ralph's, a grocery store, and goes inside. And boy, oh boy, what a fucking sequence, right? A brightly lit grocery store becomes terrifying. Oh. And so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The brightest of brightly lit grocery stores. The shelves are packed. It's colorful. There's music. It just feels like a place you've been every week for the entirety of your life. Yeah. It's the safest place to be, right? It's just so every day. And it's it's hard to describe, like, how good the whole sequence is and the way it all plays out. But eventually she finds a number of townspeople hunched over the meat freezer. Oh, God. Eating raw meat. And that's sure weird. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately they notice her and they chase her down and they end up killing her. And one thing I do love about this movie is that it can be so terrifying so scary all of this but the killings are all out of frame off screen and you don't care there's nothing in this movie that makes me say like oh i wish we got to see laura get eaten by the townspeople like it works so well and you don't see any like explicit violence in it really Mm -hmm. except for the very beginning where the guy like gets his throat cut yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then and you see the mechanic covered in red paint hanging from a hydraulic lift, right? Yeah. Yeah, but 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 I think that adds to the kind of terror is you don't even get to see what really happens to them. Like you it's it's just everything is so elusive through through every step of the way. It's 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 it, it just makes it more upsetting. And also it is nice for me cuz I'm like I just don't want to see these queens die cuz they're perfect. Yeah, they're both perfect. But the way the the death scenes play out with, like, just, it's, like we said before, it's, like, it's quiet. Or maybe, the, like, the, just the sound of the footsteps chasing Laura down through the grocery store. Oh, God. Is amazing. Oh, God. And just trying to get those doors open. And these doors that were open one minute ago, you could go right in. You suddenly can't get out. It's the, it's the horror of demons, but without, n- nothing is half as fantastic as in demons and yet it is and yet it's so simple and every day it's i mean and later on when she's had enough tony makes her way to the movie theater she's like ah fuck it like you guys can hook up or whatever i'm going to the movies and so she goes by herself and it's so effective she shows up at this grand gorgeous movie theater on the outside and i'm like oh wow those were the days huh (laughs) i mean you still have it at the hollywood for sure but but I mean, to just see this kind of like the, the lit up marquee. A movie palace, baby. And just for her to show up, she buys her ticket. She goes inside and like there's nobody around. So she swipes a bucket of popcorn and she goes into the theater and like the ticket taker turns the sign to closed 
and all the exterior lights of the theater go off. And it's so good. (laughs) Just that alone. It's like, oh my God, like what's going to happen to Tony? And so she goes into the theater and there's like two people in the theater down in front of her. And there's another incredible moment. Like she sits down and like the movie's about to start. Oh God. Right as the lights go off, somebody down front has turned around and is staring at her. And she only sees this, and he, she only sees him, and you, the viewer, only see him seeing her as the lights are going out. It is so effective. Oh, it's so good. And so she's sitting there eating her popcorn watching this shitty movie. I love when she rolls her eyes at the movie. Dude, because it's a Western. I hate Westerns. It's a Western, and she just immediately rolls her eyes. <laughs> and then yeah. she's like, well, at least I got the popcorn. Yeah. So this crazy movie starts playing with just it's like insane. A, a cacophony of noise. And suddenly people start coming in the theater, but they're only sitting behind her. And the seats behind her fill up. And it's just like you said, it's like the birds. It's like that famous uh, playground scene in the birds where yep. the jungle gym and the swing set and everything fill up with birds. Yep. As you turn around and you go, oh, shit. Yeah. And like that is fucking tension. Okay. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the entire, basically the entire theater fills up behind her and she's clueless until somebody comes and sits in her row like two seats away from her a little too close for comfort and like me she's like oh fuck and so she decides to get up and move but now there's somebody coming in from the other side Mm -hmm. and so she's boxed in and then she notices they're bleeding from their eyes (laughs) (laughs) hey that's not normal yeah and so to get out she has to go forward and like she goes climbs over the seats she tries to get out but the doors are locked and she ends up in front of the screen and everybody starts climbing over the seats to get to her. And it's just incredible. It's just fucking incredible. And you think of every time you've seen a cool fucking scene in a horror movie with somebody on stage with projection on them, you think of Jada Pinkett, you think, and then you say, Oh my God, Messiah of evil did it the best. That shot of her standing there alone, like hugging herself. (sighs) It's quiet and it's just like she's not running anymore she has nowhere to go there's nothing to do she's not screaming she's just like standing there and then like one person comes in off screen and then they all pile on her and she's dead and it's just like the the like the i cannot believe the filmmaking in this movie i mean for honestly for me it's the theater it's this theater scene this is, I think, this is the scene in the movie. The grocery store is fucking spectacular. The whole movie is spectacular. But the theater scene is so well done, so eerie, so iconic. Also, we've all been there. I mean, well, we haven't been eaten by ghouls in a movie theater. But, like, you know, the, the, the universal law that you go to an empty movie theater and you're like, holy shit, I have this whole place to myself. And then somebody sits two seats away from you right before the movie starts. And you're like, God damn it <laughs> why does that happen but this movie it's that scene i just it just i could watch i i that move this scene lives in my head rent free and i watch it often well it's it's uh it's just one of the, the highlights in a horror movie is when we know more than the character does right mm-hmm but usually it's like okay they're walking through the dark building and they're scared or whatever but just 
this scene with her sitting there completely clueless of the fact that she is surrounded by danger and has been from the moment she walked in the door when they turned the sign and turned off the lights. Yeah. Is just like, what a fucking way to build tension. Well, and and as filmmakers, like the weaponization of the senses that like in the grocery store, you pointed out how silent it is. And then in this sequence in the theater, it's it it is clown town the western. Yeah. Like it is just ridiculous. And of course she's not noticing all of this happening. But we can't stop and stop noticing that this keeps happening. They keep sitting down behind her. And they're all staring at her. They're all staring at her and just the way they're quiet. They're not like zombies who come in and either run or even just like walks do the Romero shuffle towards you or whatever. They're not moaning and groaning and all of that. They are just, they're quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's so scary. Mm-hmm. So Tom, uh, they finally realize that shit is really bad in this town. So Tom goes off in search of Tony, but boy, things have really, the scales have tipped. It's over for Point Dune, okay? Cops show up for some reason and start shooting at the townspeople. But then (laughs) one of the cops immediately, his eyes start bleeding. And, but all of these things happen wordlessly. And it just keeps that kind of uncanny, eerie, off-balance atmosphere going. Yup. I love it. And it's like this whole, it's like a cult, but it's also a sickness. Like uh, there's a young woman who comes up to Tom in town and is like, please help me. The people came and like, we have to help me get out of here. And he's like, it's too late for you. Your eyes. And she's bleeding out of her eyes. So it's like, what is going on here? She doesn't even know. Like she's talking about how she's just seen her children basically get eaten. Her husband is still back at the house. She's asking for help. When he says your eyes, she has to stop and turn and look into the window of, cause they're just on main street. She has to stop and look in a shop window to see her reflection. And she's just like, Oh no. Or, you know, it's, it's terrifying. What is happening? So back at the house, um, you know, our lady has been reading her father's journals where he has been talking about this kind of, he has been keeping track of his physical deterioration, basically of losing a sense of feeling in his arms and you know like he almost cuts off one of his fingers because like because he was just testing his pain threshold and he had none that sort of thing um surprise surprise her father is still alive or unalive or whatever state these people are in um and he comes back and he tries to kill her the townspeople are descending on the house and there are so many cool sequences and it's like a lot of painful looking stunts where it's like somebody falls down the stairs and you think, is that how it was supposed to go? I, mm-hmm, yeah. Yep. <laughs> People crashing through skylights and it's just like, it's wicked. It's it's a zombie siege scene, and but it's different than any other zombie siege scene you've seen. Yeah. Arletti and Tom try to escape. She has started to flip out. She kills her father and remembers what Charlie said. And she burns the body and she's afraid of everything while she's also feeling like she's starting to change. She coughs up bugs at some point. It's like, what is going on? She also has no feeling in her legs. Um, 
So she accidentally stabs Tom, but they try to make their escape along the beach and they think they're going to swim to a boat. And then as she's swimming, she realizes that Tom's gone. <laughs> He's just gone. Like he drowns. Mm-hmm. And then we get more voiceover from our Letty. She's now in the insane asylum. The dark stranger did return. They all dragged her out of the water, but instead of killing her, they put her in a fancy dress and did her hair. <laughs> and then they sent her off to kind of tell everybody that shit's going to go down. They could have just hired a PR firm. Would have been easier. And it might have been more, her message might have been more received than, you know, just sticking her in an insane asylum. <laughs> that's true. But I just, I don't know. I, and that's, that's the end of the movie. But I love I love that the ghouls are just like regular townspeople. They're not like as much as I love them. It's not crazy like George Romero went to Spirit Halloween and bought one of every costume, and so here's the majorette, <laughs> here's the Hari Krishna. It's like Indian princess, the Indian princess. <laughs> like okay, there's Pocahontas. It's like it's just townspeople. It's like old men and women. Yeah. And while they do descend upon people and eat them, they just will stand there and look at you. And it's so scary. I I did read that they were inspired and influenced by Night of the Living Dead, um, which I think you can definitely see, uh, because even that was sort of figuring out what it was. I mean, they literally, come on, people, they invented the zombie movie as we know it. Uh, they were figuring it out as they went. Romero was. And it's i see that but yeah they they in this it's they're just people they're just normal people in a town where something is wrong and that's i mean that's the most terrifying thing i think to anybody is something that is undefinable where you you just don't know what it is and you can't it just evades you because we're so we have to comprehend and understand things and this just this just it doesn't even make understanding a possibility at any point in the film the 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 dark stranger what he like all we know really is he came he had something to do with like he might have came from the donner party that's cool yeah (laughs) that's really cool uh so you know okay so there's some kind of cannibal something happening but it still doesn't it's still there's an infection because like we know that woman got it we see our lady so there's it's just it's it's dread it it's how you evoke dread boy i don't know i feel like i've certainly had those moments maybe everybody has i don't know but when when you do just like go to the grocery store or any any place and just things don't feel right oh yeah in the sense of like i should go yeah in the sense of like am i in a david lynch movie all of a sudden like everything is the same but it doesn't feel right and this movie somehow managed to manages to capture that feeling yeah and that's that's a rare thing i think in horror like horror you know horror movies especially can make us feel scared can make us feel any number of things but when the movie is able to capture a feeling that you have like i will say that for me like paranormal activity did that the first time I saw it is I was like, this movie captures that feeling of waking up in the middle of the night because you heard something mm. and that sort of tight feeling that you get in your stomach. 
Yep. Because you're nervous and you're just staying as still and as quiet as possible because you are Mm -hmm. listening Mm -mm. very hard. Like that specific feeling, that movie captured and portrayed it, I felt. The first time at the midnight showing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fully. Yeah, there's not a, there's a, that movie has, is a prime example of short shelf life, super duper diminishing returns, whatever. But the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of the first time I've seen something that made me feel like the characters were experiencing that exact sensation. Yeah. Is that not, I mean, this is a question I've been asking myself lately. It's like, is that not the function of art or like the, the goal? of art is to feel a feeling i think the whole point of why we make things why we get people in a room together and make something or share something is we all want to feel something we're we're there to to summon a feeling together the whole reason you put manipulative music in a movie underneath someone but talking is so that you feel a feeling it's manipulation uh but this movie like it to capture a feeling, but to capture that specific of a, a that specific of an undescribable sense of of doom. <laughs> it's really well done. It's really well done. It's just it's really rare, I think, and it's yeah. just part of part of what makes this movie such a little perfect masterpiece of a gem or a gem of a masterpiece or something. If it didn't, if they said explicitly, like, oh, the infection takes after two hours, you know, if if they even said zombie or vampire, if 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 anybody had fangs, if if Tom really did, you know, she turns around in the water and instead he's like, I'm evil, baby. Like, if any of that had happened, if, I don't think it would function. But because it's so... There is a distance between Arletti and what is happening, and for us as the viewers too, it, it, it's in that distance that like abyss of understanding where it just it, everything comes alive perfectly. It's a really special movie, I think. <laughs> Truly, but on so many levels, not just not just. I mean, technically, it's masterful. It's gorgeous. But emotionally, what you get, the impact watching it. I mean, yes, the visuals do in help with that but and the score i love the score oh it's wicked and the acting and the 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 restraint of the writing like this is a great example of really great writing where they just rely on what they have written in terms of the direction of the images the motivations of the characters but we don't need talking 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 we don't need explaining explaining I just, I don't, I will never uh, stop telling people to see this movie. So good. Oh, Tony, we're never going to leave this place, are we? I love Messiah of Evil. I don't fucking love Messiah of Evil. Thank you for bringing it into my life. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm glad you liked it. I hope, I hope other um, listeners that have not seen this movie are so motivated to watch this and have a new favorite because you will have a new favorite if you watch this movie. <laughs> I I don't know that I have actually met anybody that doesn't walk away from this movie like sufficiently impacted. And I mean and 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 you know I think this could work for any kind of horror viewer. If you like heady stories, if you like spooky just like oh my god what's happening gross stories, 
if you like just if you just like colored lights and giallo <laughs> like this movie is for anybody i think if you like babes oh <laughs> babes if you like weird shit if you like my my mams like they're the, <laughs> the the art gallerist and 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 even little poor eccentric um character actor even they're that he's a my my ma'am to an extent <laughs> <laughs> yeah boy i mean it start as laura we have anitra ford who uh was a model had a small film career um Maybe people only know her from the Big Bird Cage, the women in prison exploitation movie with wow. Pam Greer. Wow. But perhaps you know her better as one of Barker's beauties on The Price is Right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. She was a Barker's beauty. I love that. And Michael Greer as Tom, gay icon. Tell me more. Out at a time when people weren't out, refused to beard. Like, to find a lady for public uh, consumption, refused to be anything but himself, to be gay, made gay uh, art. He was big on the comedy circuit, cabaret, and uh, performed in drag in The Rose. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This was his last big film role. Um, Maybe never quite had the career that he... maybe should have or could have had at least because he refused to like straighten up he like his management told him to like beard up and to like present yourself as straight and he refused to do so god what a goddamn satan angel yeah i had no idea i look i'm learning so much today i had no idea i've watched i've been in love with this movie for 13 years since i finally saw it 13 years ago and i had no idea the, the the returns on this film are incredible. Two dollars, no knock. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that makes this also a queer horror classic. There you go. I mean, he's a playboy in this, you know. But I mean, a dandy playboy. A dandy playboy. They, excuse me, they're a throuple. The 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 women are having sex with each other. Like they're all having sex. Okay. Oh, fully. I love when he takes um, he takes Tony's liquor away from her, and then she just pulls out another one. Yeah, <laughs> from next to her. She's such a scamp. She's so cool. <laughs> hey, Laura, leave me some dope, huh? <laughs> yeah. I love their little friendship. Like these two yeah. women who probably, you know, I mean, Tony is. I don't know that she's underage, but it's you know they point out that she's very young to be hanging out with them. Yeah um but i kind of like when laura finally leaves like i think they have like nice little moments together like i love that they have some kind of a friendship yeah when you think on. you think in their first scene with sit on it sister and all that you think that there's there he could be kind of weaponizing like sort of a rivalry between them yeah trying to instigate something but no they get along they like each other and you're right they do have sex <laughs> it was the 70s everybody had sex it everybody. was the seven. everyone free love babe. well that was the 60s everyone's doing it god it's a great movie it's a great fucking movie you guys have we convinced you to watch it i hope we've convinced you to watch it <laughs> I hope so I, maybe you all have seen this maybe you're all watching it right maybe you all love it and we're just like beating a dead horse but honestly like we can't scream enough for this movie i'm sorry yeah. scream <laughs> enough for this movie it's yeah. so it is that good so much so, so much so that stacy i don't know if you know this but we currently have a shelf at movie madness 
Right. What is Movie Madness? Movie Madness is uh, the premier remaining video store in Portland, Oregon, uh, that is also run by the Hollywood Theater. Uh, it is a, we have over, what, like 70, 80,000 movies in the collection, plus a whole bunch of, of props. There's like a whole prop and costume museum, too. So, I mean, you can see Drew Barrymore's outfit from Never Been Kissed. You can see Denise Richards' dress from the talent pet portion of De- uh drop dead gorgeous you can see the scream knife the psycho knife like it's it's a cool place and uh we currently have a gaylords of darkness recommendation shelf yeah which apparently like everything is rented out right now which is very exciting love that and one stacy jane ponder made messiah of evil one of her recommendations on our shelf i sure did so that's a place you can get it yeah, yeah, you can go you can go rent it at Movie Madness. And other stuff. What were my other recommendations? We each picked four movies. Yeah, we wanted to go with uh lesser seen, underseen recommendations. Lesser seen shit we love. Yeah. So I I picked uh Messiah of Evil, Lady in a Cage, which I just was uh, a guest on the esteemed uh, Evolution of Horror talking about Lady in a Cage. And I love reading comments from people because so it, that movie is so critically underseen and people have been watching it because of that episode. That's great. And they're fucking blown away by that movie. So hopefully whoever's renting it for Movie Madness or whatever. That's... See Lady in a Cage, okay? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Messiah of Evil, Lady in a Cage, Memento Mori. That's another movie I'll never shut up about. Uh, And Next of Kin, a really weird Australian movie that is kind of hard to classify in terms of Dewey Decimal. It really is. In terms of genre, whatever. But boy, oh boy, I saw that and it really blew me away. And I think more people should see it. It's great. I saw it for the first time maybe in the last year or two. And I said, where have you been all my life? It's great. Yeah. It's this shelf is lit, y'all, because it's it those movies. Really I, I had to include The Witch Who Came from the Sea. Uh, I've talked about that before on this show. Um, Daughters of Darkness, The Stepford Wives, because I don't think enough people have actually seen the original Stepford Wives. You've all seen the Nicole Kidman monstrosity, but the original, which is for, out of print. Why? That's weird. Yeah, it's a crime against film. Uh, and Lady Macbeth, which we did recently for Non-Horror Horror Month. Because I'm like, everyone talks about Hereditary, or, or no, Midsummer, But I'm like, have you seen Florence Pugh as the most terrifying <laughs> role of all time? That's a good shelf. It's a good shelf. I think, I don't know, I think people people might be put off. They might think we we're, we, we like women. Well, that's gross. <laughs> So watch any of those movies, but definitely watch Messiah of Evil. Um, for real. There's a reason why we're doing it for Countdown to Rapture. Like, because those people are, we are out staring at the sea, waiting for Mama Moo to walk out. Right? That's we're us. Just, that's, 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 <laughs> at the concert, there's going to be all the people. And then and then they'll be like, what's up with these two ghouls that are bleeding from their eyes? Listen, I will... <laughs> I will not be at all surprised if the moment the lights go down for the show, if I don't start bleeding out of my eyes. <laughs> oh my god, that's next week! It's next week! The rapture is nigh! But we're not raptured yet because Stacy, 
Hmm. Are you ready to enter the bonus round? What's the bonus, bonus round? <laughs> we don't have a theme song for the bonus round yet. It's still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. We've been distracted. We've been a little distracted by, I don't know, Mama our incoming Mama. death and salvation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so today, you know, we have options. We've got chopping block. We got pyramid. We got um, questions for each other. Questions for each other. But today we're doing a different thing. That's right. We're resurrecting the listener question. Yeah, we have a listener question that is apropos. This question comes from someone named Olive Cinema. Huh? Oh. I don't think that's their Christian name. It could be. Maybe could that's be. why they like movies. It could, their parents said, well, you have to ensure yeah. that, that Olive loves cinema. That's right. You don't know. So Olive Cinema asked, I watched Messiah of Evil after hearing you talk about it on a few episodes, and I loved it. Well done. Good job, Olive. And it made me wonder what other good or at least watchable horror movies take place in a seaside town or on an island. Mm. Because Point Dune is obviously on the sea. And you know, this movie also really captures the abject terror of the ocean at night. Yeah. I find the ocean at night terrifying. It's so upsetting. It, just the water coming in and you can't see very far. Like, I mean, the ocean is terrifying under the best of circumstances. But at night... It's just, it's so spooky. Have you ever been on a beach in pitch black darkness? I mean, as dark as it can be on the beach at night, yeah. It's the worst thing anyone can ever do. Like, because you know, there's like fucking mermaids, like crawling around, like looking for flesh. Like, it, it is demented. And you just hear the ocean. You don't know where it is, <laughs> but you hear it. It's upsetting. The only, <laughs> this is really weird, but... Once upon a time, uh, when I lived in Ohio, the dark era. Uh, anyway, I was going to a comic book convention because I was making comics in Texas. And I cajoled a friend into dr- driving with me from Ohio to Texas. We took a oh, the convention trip. was in Texas. Yes. You weren't making comics in Texas. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I went to the convention because I'm making comics, you know. Here we go. But I cajoled a friend into taking a road trip. My girlfriend was like, now. And so I got a friend to, <laughs> to take a road trip with me from Ohio to Texas. And it was so much fun. Um, but I said on the way back, what if instead of just like going north and going through Oklahoma and all of that, what if we went, you know, we took a, a right and we went to Louisiana and all of this. And then we could drive by the Bonnie and Clyde death site. It was one thing on the way that I, I was, for some reason, I really wanted to see it. It's just a rock. The like, Bonnie and Clyde death site. Yeah, it was on the way, right? So we go. And it's some little tiny, like, no-name town in Louisiana, I think. And it was the pitchest of blacks. You know, like, by the time we got there, it was nighttime. There's nothing to see anyway. It's literally just like a big rock on a gravel patch. 
but it was out in the middle of nowhere and it was terrifying and when we got out of the car to like look at the rock uh i don't know i was convinced that we were in the middle of a swamp and there were alligators (laughs) 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 because i couldn't see anything (laughs) and i was like it's louisiana it has to be a swamp what's in swamps alligators crocodiles and shit and so like i was like we have to get back zero to crisis (laughs) zero to crisis like Maybe I'd been on the road too long. I don't know. But I was like, we have to get back in the car. I was so scared. And like, anyway, that's the feeling of the ocean at night. It's like, there's something outside of my vision and the ocean is so loud and it never stops. Like the waves never stop. Yes. And so just that feeling of like there being something out there like that is bigger than you can even comprehend. Yes. Horrible thing. It, it, anglerfish getting up and walking around. Well, lighthouses that start moving on the horizon. <laughs> like, you don't know what happens out there. That's to a very scary place. So I love, I love coastal horror. I love island horror. Do I recommend the Bonnie and Clyde death site? I mean, if you're in the area, sure. Not at night. Not at night. No, not at night. <laughs> there could be alligators. You don't know. <laughs> They were famously killed by alligators. <laughs> yeah, wielded by the police. Yeah, it's alligators with Tommy guns. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know that I recommend it during the day. I mean, if you're there, sure, why not? I'd go see just about anything if I'm in the area. But is it worth going out of your way for? No, I don't think so, no. <laughs> Did anybody say, like, so Stacy, are you happy we I think my by here? Anybody who knows me knows not even to ask. <laughs> she wants to go see the body and Clyde death site. All right, I'll go with you, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do love a coastal terror as someone mm. who grew up on the coast. It gets to me. Yeah, it's a fucked up place. So uh, what did I, I mean? Can you have a list of good or at least watchable this movie is better than good certainly better than watchable but can you talk about seaside town horror and not mention dead and buried oh have you guys seen dead and buried you gotta see dead and buried that's another one of those movies where i when i watched it for the first time probably in the last five years Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, this was not a classic for me. Like not in terms in the saga of my life. I had never, you know, I, I had heard about it I, when I sat down and watched it. Like certainly within the life of this show, just I was, I was, I was doing cartwheels. I was dancing on the ceiling. I was. It was. It was coming home. Yeah, love that movie. If you uh, are a Someone, a horror fan who, I don't know, (laughs) looks at covers and stuff. Like, you know the Dead and Buried cover image. You know the Dead and Buried poster. It is an iconic poster in terms of the genre. Yep. But maybe you haven't seen it. I don't know. But you should, because it's fucking lit. I mean, I would argue for this, there's there's two, like, real obvious answers. And Dead and Buried is one of them, right? Mm hmm and you have another answer? Oh, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, the other one, obviously, is The Fog. Oh, yeah. Like, when we say coastal seaside town and horror, like, what? There's dead and buried in The Fog. 
Those are the uh, the empirical answers. This is I. It was hard to stop naming movies. Oh, I have a massive list. Well, I don't. It's not massive, but I have. I a list. stopped myself because I'm like, God damn, so many things apply. Even stuff like the birds, you know, like yeah, counts. Yeah. Um, but another movie that I did want to mention and point people to is one that I have mentioned on this show several times. Do I repeat myself? Yes, but only for your benefit. To try to guide you to things you might like. Or things to avoid in the case of alligators at night. <laughs> <laughs> and I just mentioned this movie last week in a passing passing reference. But movie uh, takes place on an island. The Slayer. Thank you. It's on my list. Slayer is fucking cool as shit. OG Elm Street. A woman, a depressed artist. Has any artist ever been depressed? Seems far-fetched if you ask me. I don't buy it. (laughs) But she's been painting these visions of the, like, an abandoned house that she's never seen before and blah, blah, blah. And so to kind of get her out of her funk... Her husband. Yes, husband. A slasher movie that features adult characters. What? Can you believe it? It's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. The people are all terrible. You're not going to like any of them. Who cares? They're adults. Slashers are so aimed at the teen market and generally are composed of teenage casts and the adult is like... The shopkeeper, the crazy Ralph, the sheriff who shows up and gets killed. Yep. But here we've got the cast are adults. Two adult couples fly to this remote island, and then our painter is like, oh shit, this is the paint this is the place from my dreams that I've been painting. And what do you know? There's like a nightmare man who kills people. I don't want to tell you anymore. It's gross, it's violent, it's dreamy. I fucking love the slayer. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. That's another critically underseen film. It really is. It really is. Even for myself, I I only saw this again for the first time in the last couple of years. And once again, I was screaming. Just in awe. How have I never seen this? This movie is lit. Okay, what else? Let's alternate. What else you got? Hmm. You know, another movie that I already recommended in this episode, (laughs) or mentioned in the recommendation shelf, The Witch Who Came From the Sea. I'm just going I'm just going full full tilt boogie. I love this movie. It's weird. It I don't know if it works. Uh it works for me. It's it's very emotive while completely melodrama, while completely grindhouse. It's sleazy. It's about a woman that um lives in Venice Beach. So there you go, coastal town. <laughs> uh but it's it's like that weird California kind of coastal town, the the LA adjacent like it's, it opens on Muscle Beach. She's watching bodybuilders exercise and then all of a sudden you get crazy siren music and she starts fantasizing about chopping them all up (laughs) amazing uh the sea is very integral to the movie there's a lot of stuff about sailors she's waiting for like her father was a sailor who was lost at sea and it's it's very dreamy and weird and sad and depressing and and i i love this movie so i absolutely threw the witch who came from the sea back into the recommendations because i just want people to see it and then tell me if it's good or not i don't know i like it (laughs) Hmm. yeah uh another one on my list isn't quote unquote good and i don't quote unquote care (laughs) a movie called a little no budget movie 
called Attack of the Beast Creatures. Ooh. Where there's a shipwreck, the survivors make it to an island, and the island is inhabited by these little monsters. And imagine an island full of Zuni fetish dolls from Trilogy of Terror. I don't like that. These are little puppets that chase after people. <laughs> so you know I am living. <laughs> those those are the titular beast creatures. And it's kind of, it's it's obviously not good. It's made for $1.50. But listen, a shit ton of Zuni fetish dolls running around attacking people. I'm, I'm in. Hell yeah. Uh, another one, another island-based one that I had to go with, because this is another weirdo that I really enjoy. I don't know how effective it is, but I find it effective. Um, The Wind, starring Meg Foster. I've talked about this before. Y'all need to see The Wind. I think Meg Foster always plays, like, kind of the weirdo supporting role. The, The queen with the icy eyes is sort of what she did for so long in movies. The Wind, she gets a starring vehicle. Where she is a writer who goes to an island in Greece to write her book. She writes um, murder mysteries. And the whole island is basically abandoned. She gets she gets the place because everyone has left. Because ugh, wind happens every now and then. And it gets bad or something. <laughs> so because the wind is scary, everyone's gone. She writes her book. But then like some dude keeps coming to the house and trying to get in. And he turns out to be a killer. And she has to face off with him and she has to use her powers of writing to figure out what his next move will be. So you get Meg Foster talking to herself, calculating, and it's so good. The last 10 minutes suck because it's just, it's a Nico Mastarakis movie. I think this is the most competent movie he's made (laughs) um, of the ones I've seen. But, and he's a hack, but this one is pretty good until the last 10 minutes where it's just a chase scene that ultimately, you know, just like his other movies, it's just the chasing that goes on forever. Uh, but but the rest of the movie, just Meg Foster y- using her powers of writing, it's so good, I think. And a different kind of island. It's 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 more of a Mamma Mia and less of a, like, a zombie, you know? Less of a stranded. Yeah, 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 yeah. A movie I like that is somewhat adjacent, I would say, to Messiah of Evil and maybe Dead and Buried um, that probably a lot of you have seen. I don't know. Dagon. I've never seen this. (gasps) Really? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I think it's great. I love a spooky sea town. Yeah. And that's a Lovecraft, right? Lovecraft. Yeah. It's based on the Shadow Over Innsmouth, I believe. Yeah. That's the one. And I know the cover. It's the person with all the teeth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also I also picked uh no, this is one that I can't fully recommend because I have not seen all of it. Um, because this is a TV series, but it is also I thought I would include it because it is very close to Jason's heart. He loves this series. Um it's a slasher television series called Harper's Island. And it's the famous, you know, here's a group of people, they're all gonna end up on an island, and now they're all gonna die brutally. I think I saw the first episode when it came out. Yeah, it was cool. And I was I was vibing on it. I loved the idea. This was before, you know, now we have that show Slasher, aptly named, uh, the from the maker of Degrassi, the next generation. Uh, we have those. There's been set. There was the Scream TV series. There's been several incarnations since of Slasher television. 
um, because I think people realized, oh, you can tell an extended horror story and still do it in the slasher formula where you just kill a different character or multiple characters every episode. And that's cool. Uh, but I think Harper's Island was actually one of the very first to do that. So, yeah, Harper's Island. Man, I could go on about Island and Seaside shit all day. I, for, I mean, like, literally, like, we didn't even say Wicker Man. We didn't say Battle Royale. We didn't say St. Maud. Oh, yeah. I didn't say Humongous. I love Humongous. I didn't say The Lighthouse. And I thought about this movie called Witchery. Witchery. <gasps> Witchery. Linda Blair? Linda Blair and David, oh. and David Hasselhoff. Oh, you cruel, cruel. It's awful. And yet, <laughs> for some reason, it's so strange. It's like Italian. It, there's some weird stuff in it that make me love it. Yeah, I but get it's, that. It's awful. So do I recommend it? If that sounds good to you, maybe. <clears throat> but somebody says uh, they got a bunch of legends about this island. Witches and rainbows and shit. <laughs> so, and Linda Blair and David Hasselhoff. Like, there's there's, uh, there's something to that. That it's either gonna, you're gonna say no thank you, or you're gonna say I gotta see this. Witchery is terrible. It really is. We own it. We, <laughs> so do we, I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but that's the thing about it, right? There is a something, something allure to it that has made it so that I have still not sold it. Oh, I look at it on the shelf and I'm like, that's awful. I should see it again sometime. But it's it's it, it's got that it's got that Italian je ne sais quoi. <laughs> it's got that Italian weirdness. Where yeah. It's like sometimes you watch it and you're like, is this supposed to be serious? Like a, there's a demon voice coming out of a cassette player, but it's like a Sesame Street cassette player. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, how am I supposed to feel? <laughs> you know, it's one of those movies. Anyway. What I learned from this question is that there is a shit ton of coastal and, and island horror, and yet there is also not enough. I love that setting so much, and I want more. I will take it anytime I can. Well, everybody, watch Messiah of Evil. Please do. Please do. Please watch Dead and Buried also. Oh, yeah. I'm going to rewatch that, I think. Yeah, I think I am too. Uh... And, you know, we're not here next week for sure. No, we're in heaven with the angels. Right. So, we'll see what happens. We're going to go see Mama Boo. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when we were like, we were like, after the next one, then it's the thing. Or like, oh, we only have two more movies before Mama Moo. Or now it's one more movie before, but now we have no more movies before Mama Moo. It's a couple of days from when they hear this. So uh, while we're doing that, you can find old episodes and other things like that at uh, GaylordsOfDarkness.com, our mm-hmm. website. Uh, social media. I don't know. Do they have social media in the great beyond? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> okay. Well, bye-bye. Oh, <laughs> For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! Oh Oh my my god! God! Tune in next time for more Gaylord!